with me today to the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25. The subject is love God. Two words, love God. Luke, chapter 10, verse 25. It's found in your book. Those of you who have the 201 book on the loving God, loving people section of chapter 12. Those who have announcements, turn them over. There you got some notes so you can remember this wonderful sermon as well as going to MetroPraise.org, watching the video or hearing the audio and getting the podcast to go directly to your MP3 player. Come on, somebody. Aren't you excited about that? Man, I got this new iPhone. I'm just loving it. I can go right to the podcast, download the youth pastor sermon, and check out how he's preaching. (laughs) And he's doing good. Amen. So that's what we're doing on the website, so make sure you check it out. A lot of good things there. If you're in Luke chapter 10, somebody say, I'm there. Wonderful. Starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Verse 27. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. And with all your mind, rather. Thank you. And love your neighbor as yourself. Look at verse 28. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Somebody say, do this. Come on, say it like you mean. Say, do it and you'll live. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, do it and you'll live. You see, today, this is how you live. It's very simple. Love God and love people. And today I want to talk to you about what it means to love God. There is no subject that is dearer to my heart than this subject. And there is no subject that brings me more pain as a pastor, as a Christian, than this subject. Let me give you an example. You see, a lot of people today talk about God. And they say, we all have the same God. And one of the things that we're learning today in this cross-cultural community is that Islam is promoting itself as coming about through the same prophets that we, we have in the Bible. And they say that our God is, is their God. And this is the type of philosophy that's being taught today in Islam. And our culture, take our president for example, wants to acknowledge that everybody's God is the same. On the National Day of Prayer in the White House, they let the Hindus come. They let the Muslims come. And they say, this God is the same God. But let me give you a passage out of the Quran today. And let me know if this is the same God. Surah 476. Those who believe fight in the cause of Allah. And those who reject faith fight in the cause of evil. So fight against the friends of Satan. Feeble indeed is the cunning of Satan. You see, the Bible says God so loved the world. But yet, this prophet who came 500 years later teaches us that you should fight those who don't believe. Listen to what Surah 929 says. Fight those who do not believe in Allah, nor the last days, nor that forbidden which has been forbidden by Allah and His Messenger, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, even if they are people of the book. Listen. Until they pay the jizya with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. He says, fight them until they come under your slavery, the jizya is a form of Muslim slavery in the lands where they rule. Surah 9, 123 says, O you who believe, fight the unbelievers and gird you about 
and let they find themselves firmness in you and know that Allah is with those who fear him. You might say, Pastor, why would you read the Quran today? By the way, this is from the book on Islam that I wrote. You might say, Pastor, why would you bring up the Quran in the middle of our study about God? You know why? Because God gets a bad reputation. You see, God is made out to be everybody's different belief today. You could probably start your own religion, attach God to it, and somebody would say, well, you have to respect them because everybody has a belief in God. I wonder if people believe in the God of Peter Pan, if that would be respectable. I wonder what happens when people believe in a God that allows you to murder and to kill. You see, my friends, what separates Christianity, listen to me, what separates your religion, because it is a religion in the sense of this world, what separates us from the entire religious community is that we believe that God loves us. Go to John chapter 3, verse 16. Somebody say, love God. I'm building a point, and I want you to stick with me through the introduction. Our greatest command is to love God. But where does this love come from? How do I know I can love God? Well, look at Romans, I mean, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. When you're there, say, I'm there. For God so what? Love the world, not just good people, as the Quran teaches, not just those who believe. God loves the world. Are unbelievers in the world today? Yes, God loves them. Are blasphemers in the world today? Yes, and God loves them. Are wicked and evil people in the world today? Yes, but God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So how do I or you know how to love God back as this command you read in Luke chapter 10? How do I know to do that? By looking to the example that he gave me. I want you to look at uh, the book of Romans right now as we learn how God first loved us while we were still in sin. Go to Romans <clears throat> chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, verse 1. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Now go on down to verse 6. I wish I had time to read it all. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Where does the foundation of the Christian's love come from? Is it from doing the works of Allah? Is it from serving our God by following these Ten Commandments? Well, you know, if I don't lie today, God will love me. Oh, you know, if I don't steal today, God will love me. And if I don't, and if I will break His commandments, God doesn't love me. You see, you might even feel that way today. See, there might have been times when you were sinning and you were saying to yourself, God doesn't love me. Or you might have been doing good and you kind of puffed out your chest and you were like, you know what, God must love me more today. 
I read my Bible today. I prayed today. Hey, I came to church, Jesus. Do you love me more? I want you to understand this. All the love that God can have, the Greek word is called agape. Everybody say agape. This is his love. It's unconditional love. All the agape love that God can have is for the whole world the same at all times. So when you were a sinner, God loved you as much as he loves you now. So when you accepted him, obeyed him, his love did not change. You see, that is the relationship you're in. It's based on love. That's why I love this subject so much. That's why I love talking about how much I love God. Because love for God is where it all comes from. It's not that I became a Christian you know, 14 years ago because I just wanted to change my ways, become a better person. No, I became a Christian because while I was in sin, blaspheming God, drugs in my pocket, a God-hater, my mom told me, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And I was like, me? In this condition, after all I've done to him, he still loves me. Yes, he loves you. See, the Bible says he demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners. He came and gave his life for us. You see, my friend today, I want to talk to you about loving God back now. And when I talk to you about loving God back, I don't want you to get some concept in your mind that you are going to be forced to love him like a robot and that the more you love him, the more he's going to love you back. Because, listen, he loves you 100% whether you do or you don't. The connection point is how much do you love him? The question isn't does he love you? No, he loves you. He cares about us. The question is do you love God? You see, my friends, today, my relationship with God is based on love. Is your relationship based on love? Would you say, I came here because I love God? Like you love Him. I'm not saying you just believe in Him. No, do you love Him? The passage you had heard talks about every part of your being in Luke 10. It says, you have to love God with all your heart all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Do you know that each one of those things are talking about a different part of your life? Loving God with your mind, that's all you think about. So that means every thought you have is filtered through the love of God. So think of all the thoughts going through that filter. Do you think about God in that way? When you think about your neighbor, your job, do you think about how I can please God here? When the Bible says loving God with all your strength. When you go to work, are you loving God with what you do? Are you showing God's message to the people through your humble heart? When the Bible says to love God with all your soul, this is the inner part of you. This is your personality. This is the part of you that will be for eternity even after your body perishes. Do you love Him with who you are? You know, some of us are a little goofy. Do you love Him with your goofy self? Amen. I'm one of those goofy people. Come and say amen to that. Help him, Lord. But he loves me. And when I use that personality to love him back, that's a joy to him. You see, when I do those things, I live. And when you do them, you live. And I want to give you now the twofold definition of love for God. Write this down on your notes. Number one, love for God is to adore him and worship him with passion. Number two, to love God is to obey His commands. So today, I want you to get out your love-o-meter. Somebody say love-o-meter. 
I want you to get out your level meter, and I want you to put a 1 being the lowest and the 10 being the highest, and I want you to rate yourself today. How well are you loving God? Let's start with this adoration and this passion for God. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul the Apostle. He spent time in the city called Ephesus for two years. He was in this city longer than he was in any other city. The book of Ephesians is called the Heavenly Epistle. Go to Ephesians 6, verse 24. It's called the Heavenly Epistle, epistle meaning letter, because he talks more about the believer's place in Christ than any other book. He says you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Christ is in you. He gives the perspective in Ephesians that God and you are one. He gives the example of here of the husband and wife becoming one, and then he applies that to the great mystery of the body, the, Christ, uh, the church, being one with Christ. So this church had a great revelation of who God was. Paul had been there for two years, and you know what the awesome part is? They burned over a million dollars worth, worth of witchcraft when they got saved. You can read in the book of Acts, when Paul came preaching in their town, they gave up all their idols, all of their tarot cards, all their astrology, all their horoscopes, burned it up, and it tells the story of a great revival, and they burned up over a million dollars in our money of their witchcraft. And look at the last verse Paul tells them. Verse 24 of Ephesians 6. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Somebody say undying love. Come on, say it again. Undying love. Thank you. Paul then says to him, hey guys, listen. I've been with you for two years. I've seen you have your whole life transformed by God. I've seen miracles in your midst. But here's the closing part of the letter. Here's my salutation. Grace to you when you keep loving Jesus. Never let your love die. Your flame of love for God, never let it die out. Now go to the book of Revelation which is about 30 years later after Paul has been beheaded by the Roman government. John has been exiled to an island called Patmos where he is supposed to stop preaching. But when they tell him to stop preaching, he preaches more. And Jesus shows up and gives him a vision of how he sees things. Think of Jesus as the CEO of the church. And now he's going to go through the different churches of that time. And Jesus is now going to say, this is what I think about these churches. Are you all with me? Look at chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 1. To the angel of the church in where? Come on, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Thank you. Right. This is what he's supposed to write to the people of Ephesus. 30 years after that letter, 30 years after the command of don't let your love die, here it is. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden candlesticks. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked men. How many can't tolerate wicked men? 
Hello, sounds like you're doing all right then. That you tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and found them false. I love finding people to be false apostles when they lie. Verse 3, you have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Everybody look up at me, please. These guys were awesome. They were preaching the gospel. They weren't giving up. They had no toleration for wicked men. In their heart, they hated it. And when people claim to be apostles, claim to have other religions, they tested them, said, what you be about? Found out what they're about, said, er, false, you fail. We're not following you. These men endured even persecution. People were being killed. People were being beheaded like Paul, the founder of the church, and they didn't give up. But look at the next verse. Verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Oh, come on, somebody. Get it today. Get it today. Verse 5. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent... I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. If it could happen to the Ephesians who knew the Apostle Paul, who had him stay with them for two years, who had the greatest heavenly epistle brought down to them and learned if they gave up a million dollars worth of witchcraft, and 30 years later they themselves forgot the command to love Jesus with an undying love, how much more could have happened to us? In the 21st century, when everything is bidding for your attention, we used to go to bed in the you know colonial days, 7 o'clock, sun goes down, you go to bed. Now we stay up on TV, on Internet. We wake up early. We stay up later. We have all of these doodads to distract us, all of these movies, these family events. My friends, if you're not careful, your love flame for God can die. But some of you might say, well, I haven't even really loved God. Well, then you need to get sparked up for God. You see, the world that you live in today is pulling you away from God. It's not saying love God. As a matter of fact, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 and you'll hear what the world is saying to you today. Those who are not speaking the Word of God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Because some of you might think to yourself, well, you know, uh, you know, loving God, pastor, that's kind of extreme stuff. That's for you pastor, priest type people. Uh, you know, I'm just going to like God. You know, like if they would say, I just don't like Him. Like, how do you like Him? Like Him, like Him, or like Him? Anyways, I'm just going to like God. Some of you all got that. I'm sorry. I don't need to love Him. You know what? Some people think we are extreme. Oh, because we come to church. We read our Bible. You're extreme. No, you're dead. We're alive. There is no in-between, my friends. Jesus didn't say you could be lukewarm. Keep reading Revelation 3.16. He says, I'll spit you out my mouth. The only reason why we look so on fire and so crazy to them because they are dead on the inside. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. Let me tell you something, my friends. You might say that to yourself. Well, hey, I'm cool with Jesus. We're just going to kind of be buddies. No, listen. You will love God or you will love the world. And I only got to hang out with you for about two minutes and I'll find out real quick who you love. 
You see, my friends, there is no middle ground. You will love God or love the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you get the contrast? I didn't write the Bible, friends. I'm just the messenger. You see, if you have the love of God, you won't love this world. If you have the love of this world, you won't love God. And some of you might be real slick right now thinking about John 3.16, and you're saying, hold on, God so loved the world, but I'm told not to love the world. Where's the contradiction? Let me help you out. The world in John 3.16 is the people of the world in the world of First John 2.16 is this, for everything in the world is the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. This does not come from the Father, but the world. So the world in John 3.16 that God loves is people. The world that we're supposed to hate is lust, cravings, and boasting. You see, today, if you're not loving God, what are you loving? You're loving your job, my job, my family. Got to go to my, my work, my house. You see, everything before those, ad, uh, those nouns is your adjective, my. My, 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 my. Well, I'm such a good person. Why? Because I take care of my family. Would you ever take care of somebody else's family? No, that's not my responsibility. Well, God said it was. God said we were supposed to feed the poor. God says you were supposed to give in the church and that it would help people around the world. Jesus said that. Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Come on. Oh, people might say, well, you know what? I don't, you know, I don't really murder anybody. Let me ask you something. Do you boast of what you have in this world? You see, God never determines your love for the world based on if you raped, murdered, and killed. Hello? That's kind of a no-brainer. Matter of fact, those who rape, murder, and kill are supposed to get the death penalty. You understand? This is not a, 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 a how good can I be and still get by or how bad can I be and still get by. No, no, let me tell you something. If you don't love God, search your heart. You are a boaster of what you have. Oh, look at how much I work. I work so hard. I have this house. I take care of my children. You know what? On the inside, it's a boast. It's a pride. And the Bible says, you know what, if you love it and you, and you idolize it and you make this your definition of who you are, no matter how noble you think it is, the Bible says the love of the Father is not in you. Read it again, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. Verse 17. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. I love C.S. Lewis in his book, The Great Divorce. C.S. Lewis was an atheist who was converted to Christianity later on in life after being convinced that all of the myths had to have a source called the great myth and that God's word was the source of all these other myths and that if he went to the word of God, he could find the truth of existence. It's a great testimony. Learn about it. This is what he said in his book. He gave an illustration of a woman who had loved her family all her life, and she took care of her children. And she died and she went to hell. It's a fictional story, but it's to get you to understand the point. Kind of like Jesus' parable of the rich man and the beggar. One goes to Abraham's bosom, one goes to hell. Follow the illustration he gives. So this woman goes to hell, and one day an angel comes down and says, we're taking a bus up to heaven. Do you want to come up there? And she says, sure, I'll get on that bus. And she takes the bus up to heaven. There in heaven, she 
is asked by the angel, do you want to stay here or go back to hell? She says, well, let me see if my children are here. Then I'll stay because I want to see if my kids are here. So her kids come up to her and her kids say, Mom, how are you doing? You know, you need to come to heaven because here we worship God. And that is the joy of our hearts. And she says, well, I'll stay in heaven because I love you so much and I want to take care of you. That's always been my joy. And the children say, no, Mom, you don't understand. I don't need you to take care of me anymore. God takes care of me. The only reason you want to stay in heaven, Mom, is if you just want to worship God like us. And eventually the mom gets a little agitated in C.S. Lewis's story. She says, no, come on. You need me. I'm your mother. I've done all of these things for you. I've brought you into this world. I fed you when you were a child. The only reason I'm going to come to heaven is so I can be with my family and to take care of you. And then the children say back, Mom, if you cannot be here for God and God alone, then you cannot be here. And the angel comes up in C.S. Lewis's story. It's a powerful illustration for those of you who are getting it. Come on. And says, what is your decision? And the woman begins to curse out the angel. And she says, if I cannot take care of my kids, I don't want your God anyway. Take me back to hell. And the understanding of the story is, is that you look at sin as this evil, wicked, I'm murdering, I'm killing. But you don't understand the heart of sin is lack of love for God. And you see, disobedience doesn't just come in the form of, I'm going to rape, steal, and murder. It comes in the form of, I will put something else above God. I will love something more than God. And in the end, you will see it just like how C.S. Lewis said it. You will see that your love for that thing was sin because it took away your love for God. Now, ultimately... Before we get into the lesson, this is the introduction. Listen, ultimately, when you love God, you will love your family. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have all the great love I do for my boop through boo and little Bethany boo and now Hannah boo who's in the womb and she's going to pop out one day. The Lord has given me two girls. He knows I just need a lot of patience. Oh, I love people. Love people comes right after God. But if you don't love God, how are you really going to love people? Are you ready today to learn the two lessons? Let's go to Song of Solomon and learn about how to adore God with passion. I want to teach you now how to love God with passion. If you didn't know this, your Bible has a love story in it. It's called the Song of Solomon. And this love story is about two engaged people who get married and fall in love and spend their life together. Now, some of you who don't know what the Song of Solomon means and you're not married, just wait till you're married. Those of you who are married and you want to know, talk to Ishmael or I, and we'll tell you, my wife, ladies, because I'll be embarrassed to tell you, this book gets a little in-depth. It's a beautiful book of love and passion because there ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind. When you're married, there ain't nothing wrong. <laughs> now, having said that, the illustration of love is supposed to be between man and wife. Or rather, the story is between man and wife. But you know what the illustration is? Between man and God. And you might say to yourself, well, that gets a little gross. You see, when you read the love story, it's not about sexual things between man and God. You'll understand what it's about as I read it to you now. 
And think of this. Your God put a love story in your Bible. Is it not evident he loves you and that this book is about love? If you're in Song of Solomon, I want you to turn to chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 2. And I want you to start reading with me here and follow along and understand this love story. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my lover, and my hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers were flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover, but my lover had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. O daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. Faint with love also means lovesick. Tell him I am lovesick. Here's how the story goes. The woman has laid down for the night. The lover comes, knocks on the door and says, hey, let's sneak out. Let's get alone. Let's spend time together. She says, no, I've already laid down to bed. I got this mask on. I haven't, you know, I got my makeup off. I don't have my hair dead. I don't smell nice. And she makes excuses and says, I don't want to get up and get, you know, get ready again. He knocks again and he says, come on. Come on, let's go. Don't worry about it. And then finally she says, okay, I'm going to get up. And she goes to open the door and looks and he's gone. But yet his cologne is on the door and she smells it and she's reminded of him. She then quickly puts on her robe and runs out to the city calling out, where are you, where are you? And while she's doing that, the watchmen who would be like guards who keep the curfew come to her and they punish her for being out on the street. And as she's being punished and sent back home, she can see people are watching her. You know what I'm saying? This is like a good city illustration. People are watching what's going on. And she shouts out to the people in the windows, hey! If you see him, tell him I'm lovesick for him. And what is the illustration that we see here? I like how Tommy Tinney says it in God Chasers, that he has a daughter. And then when he comes home, he longs to be with his daughter. And he loves to hold her and pick her up. But what he does to have fun with her is he has a little chase with her. He comes into the door. He sees that she's there. She comes running. And then he kind of dodges her. And he kind of runs into the kitchen. He hides under the kitchen table. She pulls up the tablecloth. And then finally he lets her grab him. And at that moment he picks her up and he loves her. And he says, that's what God is demonstrating here. God is coming to each one of us. And he's saying, come and chase after me. Come and pursue me. And you see, we run after God. And so many times we don't find Him immediately. Maybe we're in a hard time and we call out for Him, but we don't find Him immediately. And we give up and say, well, God must not be here. But we don't understand that God is actually right there waiting for you to pursue Him. Because the heart of the Father isn't to hide from you. The heart of the Father is to grab you and to put you in His arms. But the Father wants you to pursue Him. 
People ask me all the time, why would God create us if he knew we would sin? Why would God create us if we knew we would make mistakes? Let me tell you why. Love, because he gives us a choice. And he knocks on your door. And he says, come and follow me. And all of us make our excuses. No, God, I got my friends. I got my job. I don't want to be religious like other people. And he still bids us. He says, come. He says, come on. You see, we have to get up from where we are and chase after him. Do you know that he's already come to this world, my friends? He's already died on the cross for you. He's asking you to come. You see, love for God means you come to Him. It means you chase after Him. It means today that you in your heart are not satisfied with anything less than grabbing Him. And so in this love relationship called your life, it is a chase for God's heart. I want to get His heart. I don't want money. I don't want clothes. I don't want a house. I want God's heart. How many of you could say today, I, Pastor, me, right here, I'm lovesick for him. Because I don't know about you, but that's how he found me. He knocked at the door of my heart. And he said, let me in. And I made all the excuses of why he didn't. Why I shouldn't follow him. You know, I'm on drugs. My friends don't want you. I'll look stupid. And he kept knocking. And that day, November 5th, I finally got up and I chased after him. And I was on my knees for a half hour crying out. And I felt his presence begin to warm over me like God was wrapping his very arms around me, like a winter coat surrounding me. He was closer than my skin, the air that I breathed. And he surrounded me. And tears came down my eyes. And I recognized at that moment it was me who had left him. He had come for me. Yet he wasn't going to force me. My friends, my life since then has been chasing after God. And those times that I find Him are the greatest times of my life. I can tell you about times in my prayer closet when I was just seeking God, spending time in His presence, and the Holy Spirit would come in that same way. I remember one time I said, I'm going to fast for 10 days, and I'm going to get close to God. And in those 10 days, only thing I could think about was Ritz crackers with cheese. I had the most obscure fantasies in my mind of food. If you've ever gone more than five days without food, that's what happens in your brain. Cheese Whiz and Ritz crackers was on my mind. No kidding. Ten days all I thought about was food. And I got done fasting, and I felt so defeated. I I, I just felt like I had just wasted ten days of my life. And I woke up that next morning, ate a big hearty meal, and I got in the shower. And as the water was hitting me, God's presence came so strong in that place, I began to weep. And he said, I just wanted to see if you would chase after me. He said, I am right here. You see, I thought that 10 days was wasted. I thought that I had just did something that was pointless because I didn't feel the goosebumps. I didn't feel God's love. No, God was saying, chase after me. Will you come after me even after your fast? You see, some of us here, you want to pray for five minutes and say, that's my love for God. No, love for God is like this woman in the Song of Solomon, being lovesick for God. You adore Him. You are passionate about Him. You love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Nothing but Him will do. Look to David in the Psalms with me now. Go to the book of Psalms and look at David's passion for God. 
Look at David in, in the Psalms. Start, start in verse 18. Psalms 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Just let that sit in your heart today. Listen to David talk, my friends. Remember, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Psalms 18, verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. Here is a grown man, a king, saying he takes refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. I am saved from my enemies. My friend, is that your heart today? Go to chapter 21. Go to chapter 21. O Lord, the king rejoices in your strength. How great is his joy in the victories you gave. You have granted him the desires of his heart and have not withheld the request of his lips. You continue to read about how much he loves God. Go to chapter 28. I could just walk through these psalms with you right now. Matter of fact, just go to Psalms 34. I don't have time to read them all. Go to Psalms 34. Verse 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted, afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. My friends, look at David's heart for God. Continue with me to Psalms 42. Psalms 42 probably says it better than any psalm. Is this your heart today, friends? Judge your heart today. No one can make you do it. But if this is your heart... You will live, the Bible says. Do this and live. Psalms 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, O God. Hello, is there anybody thirsty for God in this house this morning? My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you know that today God is saying to you, come to me? Do you know that when Jesus came upon this earth, one of the things he said more than any other prophet that distinguished him also from a prophet was these words right here, come to me. Jesus himself would say that. That's the way I know he's God because I don't want to come to any man. Jesus said this, if anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. In another place he says, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you shall find rest for your soul. You see what Jesus 
Jesus was always saying to people was come to me. He was showing you that he had come to you. And now he was asking you to come to him. I want to give you a few more scriptures on coming to Jesus. The Bible teaches us in 2 Samuel 6, 14, 14 through 15, that David praised the Lord with all of his might. David and the whole house of Israel was celebrating with all their might before the Lord with songs, with harps, with lyres, tambourines, and cymbals. David wearing a linen ephod danced before the Lord with all of his might. With the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpet. You know how you love God today? You adore Him in passion. You shout out for everybody to hear Him. I am lovesick for you. I praise you. I glorify you. And I dance before you. Woo! Come on! That's how you show God today you love Him. First Chronicles chapter 25 verse 1 says that David together with all the commanders of the army set apart some of the sons of Asaph, Hermon, and Jedeth for the ministry of prophesying accompanied by harps, lyres, and cymbals. In verse 6, all these men were under the supervision of their fathers for the music of the temple with cymbals, lyres, harps, and the ministry at the house of God. Do you know why we praise God here? Come on somebody, do you know why we praise Him? Do you know why we clap our hands? Do you know why we dance and run around this place like mad people? Because He's worthy and we love Him. That's why we're called Metro Praise because we're praising His name. Come on. We are in the city of Chicago praising Jesus Christ. This is our love for God. I don't know any person that doesn't like words of affirmation. When I talk to my wife, I tell her how beautiful she is. I tell her how much I love her. That is the same thing your Bible commands you to do with God. Tell Him that you love Him. Tell Him with your mind. Think about Him. Do it with your work today. Work unto God. Love Him in your praise and your words and your strength. Love Him with your soul, your personality. Laugh in His presence. Cry in His presence. Let Him know that He is all that you long for. You thirst after. Him and you won't be satisfied with anything else than Him. You are a God chaser and a seeker and you love Him passionately. And guess what somebody? Hello, listen to me. If there was a husband that was coming to this church and I had to say to the husband, now love your wife and, and now buy her something. If I had to convince him and make him to do that, he's not a good husband. And so my friends today, don't hear this preaching as me making you do it. Because if you don't want to worship God, you don't have to. And if you don't want to praise Him, you don't have to. But I will command you in Jesus' name. Because only if you do it will you live. But when you get there to do it, you better do it because you love Jesus. Every time I raise my hands, it's because I love Jesus. When I sing songs, it's because I love Jesus. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I dance and live for Jesus. Jesus, that has to be the cry of your heart. You see, today God is looking for people who adore Him, who are not ashamed of Him. And the second way that we love God is by keeping His commands. I want you to turn with me now to these scriptures quickly as I begin to give them to you about keeping the commands of the Lord. Deuteronomy 11.1. 1. Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 16. Just put commas, uh, uh, Adolfo. This will be easier for everybody. Make one long list to put up here. Deuteronomy 11, 1, comma, Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 16. John 14, 15. John 14, 23. 
1 John 2, 3 through 4. I'm going to say them again for everybody, and especially for Adolfo, he'll put them up here for you. Deuteronomy 11, 1. Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 16. John 14, 15. John 14, 23. 1 John 2, 3 through 4. But everybody go to Deuteronomy 11. I want you to understand something today, that if you say, I love God, then that means you've got to obey Him. Then that means you must obey Him in all that you do. Just start with Deuteronomy 11, brother. We're running behind now. Quickly, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1 says, Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements, His decrees, His laws, and His commands always. Come on, somebody. That means if you love Him, you obey Him. How many parents have some children that need to work on that? Oh, God, amen, amen. How many children here need to work on loving your parents? Come on, kids, amen. You know what? Every time you disobey your parents, it's taking away the love that you have for them and the respect that you have. And you might say, oh, they know I love them. Well, then show it by your actions. Because I looked into my mother's eyes as a rebellious teenager, and with tears coming down her eyes, she used to say this to me. And any time a mother says this to you, you know you are a bad mamma jamma. Why do you do these things? Don't you know that I love you? When my mom would look in my eyes and tears would come down hers, and she would say to me, why are you doing this? Don't you know I love you? My friends, loving God is the same way. If you love him, you will keep his commands. Deuteronomy 30:15 says, See, I set before you today life, prosperity, and destruction. It's what we learned last week. It's your choice. Verse 16, For I command you today to love your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Look at Jesus in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. 1 John 2, 3 through 4. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Brother, stop messing with it, please. Everybody look here. The way you know you love God is if you obey him. You see, because this is the other problem we have. And I bet you the Ephesian church had the same issue. That we got some folk that don't even want to love God and they want to sit here with their hands uh, behind their back or sit on their hands or fold them like this. Listen to me. If you don't love God with passion, you don't love Him at all. That's the lesson from number one. But then there's other people here that will be a jumping jelly bean for Jesus. You'll bounce around. You'll wave your hands. You'll put a Christian bumper sticker on your car. You'll wear an I Love Jesus t-shirt, but you'll go home and look at pornography. You'll yell at your wife. You'll argue with your family. Kids will come to the youth group. You'll talk about how much you love God. Then you'll disrespect your parents. Listen to me. If you loved him, you would obey him. That is what the scriptures teach us, that then out of this admiration for him, we obey his commands. Would everybody stand to their feet with me today and turn to 1 John 5.3 in closing. Rachel, would you come please? What does it mean to love God? It means to be passionate, to adore him. To be like that woman in the Song of Solomon. I will chase after you, God. And I will chase after you till I find you. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, Ah, oh, you know, I don't feel God's presence anymore. And I ask them, Have you prayed? No, I haven't really prayed lately. Well, how do you think you're going to find Him? 
You think you're going to find him watching the football game? Come on, my friends. Think about the times you felt the furthest from God. Wasn't that the time you were spending the less time with God? The least time? I look back on my life, and, and when I find those times, I'm like, man, I just don't feel like I used to. I think back, I'm like, well, I haven't prayed this week. I haven't read my Bible like I should. I haven't been around his people. Oh, I get it. I'm not making the effort. You know, because sometimes, excuse me, the other way I think we look at it is like God is our waiter, and we're sitting at his restaurant, and he's just supposed to be just so giggly that we're there. Hey, Jesus, let me get some water, a little hint of leaven, a little parsley on the side with this calamari sauce, you know, or calamari with some marinara sauce. And l- l- let me get this on the side and then for dessert, a little bit of this. Okay, thank you. And you've got to talk like this, okay? Because that means you're demanding. Okay? And then you're just like, hey. And God, like, comes over, like, like he kind of stumbles over, you know. He's kind of dirty. He's got the pencil in his ear. He's been working all these other. He's just a busy God, you know. Oh, here's your water. Oh, you forgot the lemon. Oh, I'm sorry. I think that's how we think about God. Like, we're just going to come to church. Chop, chop. Come on, God. Come here. I know you love me, and I'm just the most specialist thing in the whole world, so it's all about me, 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 me. This is what I want. Oh, and if I don't get it, I'm not coming back. That's what we look at God. Instead of looking at Him as our Father. Or looking at Him as a King. We are in the presence of the Father of all creation. We are in the presence of the King. We are supposed to come before His throne with honor. God, it's an honor to be here with you. Thank you for making time for me. Those times when I felt like complaining to God, and I would say, God, where were you? You know, I fasted 10 days. I, you know, I was praying. God began to teach me. God began to teach me that it's not about how I feel, but it's about giving Him the praise anyway. And God began to share with me this truth, and I think some of y'all are getting it today, that it's not based upon those close times of those feelings that really show our love for Him. It's those times when we're going through trials and tests that we just cry out to Him that show our love. Because He can say to the angels, look, I'm not even giving them a blessing right now. And they're crying out to me. The devil is tempting them to doubt me, to, to be discouraged, and they're crying out to me. Their mother's in the hospital, and they're on their knees thanking me for the day they have. They're blessing me before the meal they eat, and they couldn't even have everything they wanted from the grocery store. You see, that gives honor to our God. I want you to look at this scripture in closing in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. This is love for God, to obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. Have you ever complained about the commands of God? Have you? Come on. I want you to be honest. Have you ever? That's me. I guess that's why I'm the pastor, because I'll be the craziest one to admit it. That's me. Yeah. Were there times that I felt like doing things in my flesh? Maybe I felt like 
looking at something I shouldn't on the computer. And when I tried to say no to that, young people look at me. I became a burden. Man, all my friends get to go to strip bars and do all that. And I can't even look at that picture. I feel so sorry for myself. Yeah, I felt that. How about when somebody did you wrong and you just want to, you want to let them have it? And you've got to love them. Oh, my God, i got to love you. Love you. Bless you in Jesus' name. And then you go home and you're just like, God, I want to get them. Why can't I beat them? Oh, it's so hard. Come on, let's be honest. Or how about this one? Tithe and offering time. Come on. How many of you just such a burden? Come on. Gotta give to the Lord today. Man, why? Gives me everything I have. I got gifts of that. Hello. How about husbands and wives? You get in an argument? Ah, I better not say that. Oh God, why? Hello. I know I'm not the only person. I know I'm not the only person. God, why? Teacher, Lord, teacher. So hard. Come on. Why do things get so hard to serve God? Because in those times, that love meter is dropping. Because when we can see the love for God, husbands, we can honor our wives. Children, we can obey our parents. We can give our tithes and offerings. We can live a pure and holy life and say no to 40 ounces or wine or whatever they're drinking now, whiskey or vodka. We can say no to that. We can say no to sleeping in on Sundays. Why? Because I love God. Can we all make a commitment today to love God more? Let's do that. Father, we know that you cannot love us more, but we could sure love you more. You said that the greatest thing is to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as ourself. And if we do this, we will live. Today, God, we've learned that love for you is to be lovesick, undying, passionate worshipers of you. To search after you as a deer pants for water. We pray that will be the cry of our heart today. And God, search us now. Band, would you come? And I want everybody searching their heart right now. Come on. Come on. Where's your love-o-meter? And don't make that excuse. Well, none of us are perfect, Pastor. No, no, be honest with yourself. What can you do more of today? Can you be more of a worshiper? Can you spend more time alone in your prayer closet? Do you even you have a prayer closet? Do you even know how to pray by yourself at home? Come on. How about obeying his commands? Are there things today that you're slipping up on? Are there things today that you need to get right with God? 
with every head bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to give you some of these commands as our prayer workers go to their stations right now. Here are some of the commands that you may need to be working on today. Loving God more than your families and friends. Putting Him first in all that you do. Not mocking Him or taking His name in vain. Fearing and respecting Him in all that you do. Spending time with Him daily in praise and worship and study of His Word. Repenting of your sins when you commit them. Forsaking everything you have to put His ways first. Living a life of prayer. Being a witness and always preaching His Word when you have the opportunity. Being a disciple and a leader in the church to help others. Being a diligent diligent giver to God of all your talents and abilities. Serving others and putting others above yourself. Following the moral commandments of the Bible. Watching the words that you say. Blessing and encouraging instead of cursing and putting down. Living pure and sexually pure until God gives you a spouse and remaining pure in that marriage. Not loving the world and boasting about the things you have, but rather loving God. Not getting drunk, but being sober-minded. Not being easily angered, but rather being patient. Not living with bitterness or unforgiveness, but rather loving and forgiving even your enemies. Living with a renewed mind and not thinking unpure thoughts. Forgiving others as they sin against you. Helping others when they're in time of need. Blessing others with the blessings you've been given. Doing unto others as you would have done unto you. My friend, today, let's keep it real. We can all do more of that. I'm going to dismiss in prayer today with every head bowed and eyes closed. This is how we're going to roll out today, loving God. There's going to be a prayer station if you need to get right with God and receive Him as your Savior and be set free from sins. There is going to be a prayer station today if you need God to bless your life and to get things right with Him. There's going to be a prayer station if you are sick and you need to be healed. And there is a prayer station if you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, every head bow and eyes closed. I want everybody, before we dismiss in prayer, to make sure you're loving God today with everything within you. Because if you're not, I want you to go to that first prayer station when we dismiss. You might say, well, Pastor, I am saved, but you know, I'm just kind of struggling with something. I don't care. I want you to go there and confess it to another brother or sister so you can get prayer. So double up that station right now quickly. So when we dismiss in prayer, anybody in this place that says, I need to do more. I need to go more. I need to give more. I just, I need to do it to show God. And let's not, once again, hide behind the phrase, well, nobody's perfect. Or I'll do it when I get home. Come on, do it now. Father, I pray as we get ready to dismiss in prayer today, that before anybody walks out this door, God, that they love you with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. In Jesus' name, everybody look up at me as we get ready to say amen those of you that are going to need to go over here for prayer, I want everybody who needs to get an increase in their love for God to go here first. In the back corner is a prayer for blessing upon your life. Back here is healing for your body. And back here is to be baptized. Uh, Right here is for the Holy Spirit and with fire. I'm going to dismiss you. When I say dismiss, go to a place to pray. And if you're so holy, meet me up here and share God with me today. Amen. So the people who are just so holy are not going home to their car right now. Okay? Let's think about it. Father God, bless us as we make this a place in a house of prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to our place of prayer. Man, lead us in worship. Let's start adoring God. Quickly move to those.
those places right now. Don't be rebellious and stay where you are. You need to make a move today. You either come here to the front or you go to one of these prayer stations. We'll dismiss again in a moment, but let's go to pray. Let's adore Him.
Do you love God today even more than you did yesterday? Come on, you know how it is. Sometimes it goes up and down. Sometimes you love Him more than you did yesterday. Sometimes it's less. But every day we got to make a commitment. Let my heart be a flame unto God every day, greater and greater. Why do we love this God so much? Is it because we fear His wrath like Allah? No, my friends. We love Him so much, so extravagantly, because He first loved us.